at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Welcome to the Skull King Football Podcast, presented by Vox DFS Firelines. Now, here are your hosts, Justin and Ryan Skullrude. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Skulking Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullrude and tonight I've got my brother with me, Justin. Say hello, Justin. Hello, everybody. Hopefully week four was a little bit kinder to you than that uh, uh, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, Tandon was to me in, in putting that final nail in my coffin for the week. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've had a pretty good week so far. I'm, I'm still... I'm still down in the league of record to one of our listeners. I've got, uh, I want to say, Emmanuel Sanders, Tyreek Hill, and Case Keenum going against the Denver Broncos defense, and I'm 50 points down. Luckily, the Chiefs could put up enough points that the Denver defense could score negative points, so <laughs> which could really yeah. help me out. Uh, in the league of record, I have uh, handedly won, but uh, in, in another uh, league um, – Keenan Allen is killing me. Jordan Howard and Lamar Miller were total and utter disappointments uh, with, I think, three points between the two of them. Or, no, five points between the two of them. Just depressing. And then I put uh, Calvin Ridley and Cooks on my bench. So, yeah, that's why she lost. All right. Well, again, we are the Skulking Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are powered by StatRoute. StatRoute uh, is the place for you to get the best fantasy stats you can find. Make sure to go to StatRoute.com. It's where we at Skulking Football get all of our stats uh, for our, our analysis and our research when we're doing our articles and doing our rankings. Really, the, their stats are second to none with the way you can split everything up, uh, whether it's by weather, who you're going to, the, you know, their opponent, the defensive coordinator you're going up against, split everything up by position, seasons, this year, the past three years, past five years, past ten years, they'll even go to historical players. Their amount of breakdown is absolutely ridiculous. So, again, go to statroute.com, sign up for their, uh, their newsletter, and uh, pretty soon I believe we'll actually uh, be uh, have able to uh, send them, send you guys to them for some signups to actually use their statistics. So again, these guys are absolutely phenomenal, and uh, can't wait to uh, to uh, spread more info about them. So yes, all right. So why don't we go ahead and get started with today's headlines? Today's headlines. All right. To start it off, uh, we uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. The injury update uh, for Leonard Fournette. It looked like it was a hamstring tightness. Came out of the game. Came back in, got injured again, and left the game again. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> basically, yeah, T.Y. Hilton did the exact same thing. Um, does this cause concern for you in terms of, in terms of uh, Fournette and his ability to stay healthy throughout the year? Uh, it, it, would, it would bring me more concern if – we got some sort of clear indication of an injury. Uh, I think a lot of this is he is a pivotable, pivotable, uh, wow, new word, new word to the Webster's Dictionary, pivotal part of their offense, their run first. Um, they've got a quality backup in Yeldon who's been serviceable. So if you've, if you've handcuffed Fournette, great. Uh, I'm not too concerned. He has been banged up, but Fournette is a – a thoroughbred running back, not someone that you should be freaking out about. Um, just a little bumps and bruises, and that's going to happen the rest of the season. All right. Uh, while this isn't uh, this isn't injury news, um, it's hard to explain. Mitchell Trubisky threw five TD passes in the first half. Yeah, uh, I think the. 
and we'll get into this more when we talk about the review and the rewind of the week, but the, the Fitzpatrick magic, uh, I think is more out of desperation of their defense being absolutely God awful. <laughs> That's why they needed to score so many points. And I think it was hidden by the fact that they were scoring a bunch, but what they did today, I mean, and we'll talk about it a little bit more with, with the Kings. Mitch Trubisky is the number one fantasy player. Uh, and I didn't think anyone would have beaten Goff's performance from Thursday, but Trubisky just was throwing dimes, just throwing the ball where only his receivers could catch it, doing what he needed to do. They were also scheming well and, their guys were wide open. I mean, there were times where Trubisky could have widely missed and still thrown a touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to see much of that game. Um, a quick note, by kicking his 566th field goal today, Adam Vinatieri has now made more field goals than anyone in NFL history. Congratulations, Adam Vinatieri. Yay, field goal kickers. Yeah. That's more an NFL uh, congratulations. Will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There aren't there aren't very many field goal kickers in the Hall of Fame to begin with. Yeah, because the Hall of Fame is like fantasy football; they don't really consider them players. Uh, so, but congratulations, Vinatieri. Tom Brady owes you a lot. All right, yes, Tyler he does. had to get that shot in. Tyler Eifert uh, had a was uh, said just twisted his ankle in gruesome fashion, reminiscent reminiscent of the Hayward injury. What it actually was was a broken ankle. He is going in for surgery. Actually, I think he already went in for surgery. Uh, we'll end his season. You know, a lot of comments, you know, Eifert just needs to retire. He can't seem to stay healthy, and his injuries have just been horrible, whether it's been a knee, a an ankle, the back injuries he's been dealing with for years now. So um, hope that hope that he's able to recover, you know, not even just not even to come back and play football, but just to be able to get over those injuries is, you know, just for sanity and health's sake. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, at this point, your health outside of football is more important than continually trying to play. Um, so, I mean, that's really basically what it is. I haven't looked at the injury. That's not something that I really sign up to watch all the time, so I'm not going to go look at it, especially if the headline is, it looks kind of gruesome. I've seen enough. I don't need to see it, but uh, best wishes to Eifert and his recovery. Uh, we're going to talk about some other players that were knocked out for the season as well. All right. Um, moving up, moving up, moving up. Uh, Will Fuller exited week four against the Colts with a hamstring injury. Did he come back into that game? No, he did not. Okay. And again, we'll go, we'll go back to, you know, Will Fuller tends to get knocked out with leg injuries. You know, the hamstrings tend to bother him. So that's just it's something that – that's why we call him a boomer bust player because when he's in, he's great. He has a problem staying on the field. And he will get a touchdown when he's on the field. It's like a, it's like a new uh, Jordan Reed rule. Like when he's healthy, you play him. Well, with, with, it's the same thing with Fuller. When he's healthy, you play him, and he's probably going to get a touchdown. He may only get two catches for 60 yards. But he's going to score. Um, for those of you who are DeAndre Hopkins owners, this is something to not to be ever root for an injury, but when Fuller came off, you saw a huge increase in the in the usage of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, because he had no one else to throw to. Um, ah, there is one guy that we'll talk about later. We'll get to that. Uh, Geronimo Allison went to the locker room, uh, was ruled with a concussion today, knocked out with a concussion. Hope that he's able to get better for next week. Um, let's see, uh, uh, OJ Howard had a knee injury, was out for the rest of the game. Looks like, um, that that one was a, that one, we still don't know what's going on with his knee. He's going in for an MRI in the morning. Uh, wait to see what comes of that. We'll talk more about that one later too. Yes. Um, sorry, I actually scrolled down to scrolling up. Uh, moving on. (sighs) <sighs> this sucks for all Seahawks fans. And we'll get, we've got two of those, actually. Uh, Bill Disley uh, appeared to have a, a right injury, ended up getting carted off the field. Looks like it is a torn patellar tendon, which ended Jimmy Graham's season uh, four, three, four years ago. Uh, 
he was very looked very promising the first few weeks. It's a that's a, a rough injury. Uh, hope the best for him uh, in uh, in the coming months uh, as he tries to recover from that. Yeah, he he was a very pleasant surprise uh, addition early in the season. It's one of those things that you, once again you never want to see anyone go out with an injury. And the Seahawks, with their usage of tight end, are really going to need Ed Dixon to come back quickly. Yeah, if anything, for just a body, block, block, a body blocking on the line. Uh, Seahawks safety Earl Thomas was carted off the field, also with a leg injury, flipping off the Seahawks uh, uh, bench as he was carted off. Uh, lower leg fracture, he'll go on injured reserve, but he will be back for the Super Bowl if the Seahawks make it. Is about his no, time. No, he won't. <laughs> I, I am of the opinion – Even if he could be healthy, they'd still you, play. Tedrick Thompson is now the free safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Could you cut him? No. They uh, wouldn't do that. Why not? He's been a – They'll pay him for the rest of the year. Giant pain. Because the Seahawks do Keep have family enough show. <laughs> Because the Seahawks do have enough honor to do that. So Yes. Uh, all right. That is enough. That is all we've got for the news. Uh, for today's headlines. Let's go ahead and get into the Kings and Stings. Justin, why don't you go ahead and take it? Yeah, starting off at the quarterback position, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Mitch Trubisky was a channeled his inner Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I think uh, in, in one of the conversations we were having with one of our staff writers, longtime Bears fan, Greg, who, who writes for the show, um, all through a massive jab at Trubisky last week in talking about how Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are these great quarterbacks and the Bears passed on them and Trubisky's garbage. Well, if Trubisky's garbage, what does that make the Tampa Bay defense? Um, That's, they're horrible. And really, they are horrible. Well, if you listen to Dirk Cutter, they'll all be fired tomorrow. So, um, Even him. In, including him. Um, Jared Goff, the number two. I didn't think anyone was going to pass him, but uh, sorry, Mr. Trubisky, three, 354 and six touchdowns. Jared Goff, number two, with 465 yards and five touchdowns. By far and away, the best team in the NFL right now is the Rams. I think they could run the table. They look really hard to beat. They just. And, and the other thing that I want to mention is: is Minnesota good right now? They're not getting any pressure on, on the quarterback, and I know they've got a defensive end who's going through some mental health issues, and so I am all for him getting that figured out, but the team itself, in his absence, needs to figure out how to get some pressure on the quarterback. Well, yeah, it's, 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 they kind of have the same deal that the Seahawks have had for really the last couple of years. The, you know, what made the Legion – I'm going to – throw out some controversy here. What made the Legion of Boom so good was the front seven being able to put pressure on the quarterback and forcing the quarterback to make mistakes so that the Legion of Boom could take advantage. Yeah, high balls and receivers getting knocked out. Correct. Um, the, the interceptions. The, the yeah. Minnesota defense has phenomenal defensive backs. But even they can't cover forever if your front seven can't get the pressure. And that's, I think that's a little bit of what Minnesota is going through right now. Well, a, a lot of it, when you look back at it, Minnesota gave up a lot in the first half. They technically, moral victory, won the second half 11 to 10. <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> in the moral victories, which I am completely against, but I throw it out there for the sake of the argument, it is that. Uh, the other part of that is Anthony Barr gave up three touchdowns. Uh, Trey Waynes gave up two. So really, it was two or a couple really well-thrown balls and then them exploiting a linebacker trying to cover fast receivers. Yeah. So when you look at it, just a couple of bad plays here and there made it look a whole lot worse than I think it really was. Now, once again... Buffalo gets shut out by the Packers, who are not very good at pass defense, who apparently the Bills 
just torch the Vikings. But anyway, we'll get we'll get back to the Kings. Andrew Luck shows up on the list. Finally, uh, he is back. Did most of his work without uh, T. Y. Hilton in the game I and ben- without Jack Doyle. I benched him this week. A lot of people did, and, and I didn't I have him. I, I think I had him. Go ahead. I think I had him below fifteen at quarterback. Yeah, I I benched him for uh, for Andy Dalton, who had a respectable game in his own right. Threw for three touchdowns. So. Yes. Um, uh, four touchdowns, one fumble. Rounding it out, Derek Carr, 437 passing yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and then Kirk Cousins, 422 passing yards, three touchdowns, and one fumble. Uh, the, the stings, or the most painful quarterbacks of the week, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 126 yards and one interception. Now, I'm going to talk about it right now before we get into the weekly rewind. Is Do you think Fitzpatrick is is done or do you believe that Jameis Winston coming in in the second half was more about them getting blown out and trying to get Jameis some work in real life action play to, to knock off the, the rust? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, I you think... got to pick one. Which which was it more of? Because I, I agree with you that it was probably both. It's a combination of both. I think I think a lot of it had to do with they knew that the game was done. Yes. They weren't going to come back from it. Let's see what James can do. Yeah. So, so uh, it, was, it wasn't, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that, that Fitzpatrick is done. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, they, let's also remember they went up against one of the top defenses in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, the bears are very, very good. Uh, the one interception didn't help. Um, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, this is more for in deeper leagues. Scored a big fat zero. 100 passing yards, one interception, one fumble, zero points. Um, that's one of the reasons why I won in, in the league of record. Uh, Tannehill was the quarterback on the other side, so that was a free 25-point uh, spread over Phillip Rivers or with my Phillip Rivers to his uh, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and then we have a tie at third, uh, both Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Um, got eight points apiece. Russell Wilson, 177 yards and 21 rushing yards. Drew Brees, 217 passing yards. No touchdowns, no turnovers either. So it could have been worse. Um, but of those two quarterbacks, you really – both of these quarterbacks were in my top 12, I believe. I know that Drew Brees was. But Russell Wilson was right there on the cusp of the edge. He was at 13 for me this last week. But this one hurts – those two hurt for me the most out of the rest. Everyone else pretty much performed this week. Yeah, I didn't have – I want to say I've had – I've kind of fallen off the uh, the uh, Russell Wilson bandwagon for a little bit. Uh, where was – I want to see – trying to figure out where I had him ranked. There's just no weapons right now, and I think that's the primary problem. God, I had him ranked the highest of all of us at number nine, so – yeah, and so I thought the the there's a defense had been somewhat exploitable. So, yeah, and and to not get in, well, one of the things also that they're going to look to do, which is why I'm a little bearish on that's right, bearish. Yes, bearish on Russell Wilson is that they're looking to get more running back involvement. Now, they tried to run Chris Carson into the ground; he didn't play. Maybe they ran Mike Davis into the ground this week with his two touchdowns. So maybe Carson's back next week against the Rams, and they're just going to alternate every week. Yeah, who knows? Uh, on to speaking of running backs, on to the running back kings of the week, and I think I don't want to predict this is the last week, but I think this is the last week that you will see Alvin Kamara put up these freakish uh, amounts of points um, because Ingram is back. They've got the bye in week six, but Alvin Kamara comes in with five catches, 181 total yards, and three touchdowns. He was the offense today. Yeah. Uh, And so coming in at number two, Ezekiel Elliott, four catches today, so involved in the passing game, 240 total yards, one touchdown. It was the Lions, so table your your thoughts there. Melvin Gordon coming in at number three. The running backs really are – no surprise here. Seven catches, 159 total yards, one touchdown. Yeah. Rounding it out, James White and Tariq Cohen 
both respectively get 30 points plus this week as well to round out the, the elite running backs of the week. Um, one thing that I'll throw out to kind of go back to the Chicago Bears is, Ryan, are you concerned with Jordan Howard's usage right now considering that Terry Cohen had the week that he had this week? No, and here's why. This was – I think this was a an attempt to get Tariq Cohen going. Um, I think this was more matchup-based. They were able to get Tariq Cohen outside. Um, he had – I mean, yeah, he had more catches. God, what did Tariq Cohen finish with, like 100 and – it was 170 yards or something like that because he had 174 like, total yards. Yeah. Um, so Jordan Howard is still the big back. He is going to get more carries by the end of the year. This is this was honestly just a matter of you know trying to get Tariq Cohen involved in the game plan that they have not been able to do in previous weeks. Yeah, they were also doing some other things that that they're not really going to use Jordan Howard on wheel routes, kind of some fly patterns with Tariq Cohen. So they were they were legitimately trying to get him the ball. They had a cushion, so I, felt, I think they felt they could do some more things here and there because they were ahead by so much. And why get Jordan Howard hurt? He still got more touches later on, but was not involved hardly at all for most of this game. Yeah. And speaking of the devil, not the devil at all, uh, Jordan Howard, the brother bear, comes in as the number one running back sting with 25 yards. Um, He's the number one for me in the most painful um, because his team scored so many points. If if you were not watching the game and you checked your fantasy, you're like, sweet, Jordan Howard's going to have a great game because the Bears just put up a ton of points you look at your roster and you're like oh jordan howard had two points did he get hurt no he just two points. wasn't used <laughs> 11 carries two points wasn't used they didn't need him um the next two uh, dalvin cook was a borderline start for me anyway but i know a lot of people that started him because he was healthy and because of uh latavius murray not doing too much against the bills once again that was more because I think they only ran six rushing plays against the Bills. Minnesota Vikings did anyway, so Murray didn't really get a whole lot of uh, potential work in that game anyway. Uh, And then number three, Kenyon Drake. Uh, For as much hype as he got at the beginning of the season, he was non-existent today. One catch, a total of 13 total yards. Frank Gore did more damage against the Patriots than Kenyon Drake did. And we're talking about a guy who at the beginning of the season, Kay said, oh, we want to get him about 20 to 25 touches a game. Yeah. I think, I think this goes back to every year, somehow, some way, no matter who the coach is. Miami. Someone from Miami gets hyped for having this huge year. And this year, the pick was Kenyon Drake. Last well, year, last year he's was- gone, so... Last year it was Devontae Parker. The year before that it was Devontae Parker. The year before <laughs> it's, uh. And genuinely it was Jarvis Landry running his mouth. He did the same thing with, with the Browns at the end of the season where he's like, you know, I think we could run the table. You're the Browns. Win one game. Which so. they did, and honestly they were robbed of their game today, but we'll get to that later too. Yeah, we'll get to that later as well. And so uh, on to the wide receivers. Uh, coming in number one, Cooper Cup. Nine catches, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Golden Tate, nine receptions, 132 yards, two touchdowns. And DeAndre Hopkins uh, shows up with 10 catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown for wide receiver. On the Sting side, Aguilar, 12 targets, five catches, 22 yards, and a fumble. That one hurts. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, three catches, 28 yards. Not really involved uh, that much so far. Uh, and then Michael Crabtree was really the painful one uh, tonight in tonight's game with the Steelers struggling as much as they did. Only three receptions, 29 yards. It is really the John Brown show, really, in the passing game. And we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, 
he's got known uh, injury history, uh, which which has everybody concerned. And then uh, I kind of threw one in here, Michael Thomas, which is, which is with as many points as he's been scoring, 38 points, 30 points, only comes away with eight points. I mean, his projection was 19 according to ESPN, four catches, 44 yards. I think this is more about the talent of Janoris Jenkins and how good of a corner he is uh, than it is about Michael Thomas's production dropping in any way. I'd have to agree with you there. Um, Janoris Jenkins is a, you know, is a solid defender. And uh, I mean, and let's be honest, Michael Thomas was on an absolutely unsustainable pace. Like after three yeah. games, was on pace for 200 catches. The record for most receptions in a year is like 146, which he's still on pace to absolutely obliterate. Yeah, he's on pace to still obliterate that. But at some point, okay, if this is a bad game, <laughs> for those of you who have DeAndre Hopkins, a Keenan Allen, uh, an Antonio Brown, uh, an Odell Beckham Jr., you'll take eight points as the worst game of the season. Yes, yes, you will. So, uh, on to the tight ends as we wrap this up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Jared Cook is the number one tight end still in fantasy, uh, and I'm I'm officially a believer. Uh, I have been uh, rolling Trey Burton out there, and Burton finally scored, but uh, I'm rolling Cook for a while. Eight catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. He is way more involved than Trey Burton is in that offense, and more usage. George Kittle, six catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, we, we warned you of that when C.J. Beathard was going was gonna to become the quarterback. But hang on, let's table this. One of those was a 75-yarder, so really he had five catches for 50 yards. So he had 10 points before Still. a Tyreek Hill play, which was also painful to watch. Uh, Zach Ertz rounds it out as number three, 10 catches, 112 yards, He's going to do this consistently now that Wentz is back and healthy. Uh, so Zach Ertz is good to go the rest of the season and will probably show up on this list more consistently than any other tight end. Um, the painful ones, most painful, O.J. Howard. Number one sting of the week, zero catches, zero touches, zero yards. You may cost me the league of record. Yep. Uh, and so may even cost you next couple of weeks, depending on what the MRI comes out as. Will Disley comes in as the number two most painful because he had been a top five tight end so far this season, as hard as that is to believe, uh, considering not a lot of people knew his name coming into the season. And you're going to have to go find a replacement on the waiver wire, so that even hurts more uh, if you had him. Number three, Austin Hooper. This one is painful. Uh, because with as much points as Atlanta is going to score, listen to me, they're not going to use Austin Hooper. Nope. At all. So uh, if you've got him, look to move him. That's my opinion. So that rounds out our Kings and Stings. Uh, and now we'll get into uh, the rewind and review. All right, moving on to the rewind. Let's uh, pull up or we'll start with. Uh, we kind of already went over the Minnesota game, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of already did. All right, so we'll start with the next game. Cincinnati and Atlanta, what do you got for us? What do you have for us, Justin? Uh, really, my biggest takeaway here, other than, number one, kudos to you for calling Dalton as, as streamer of the week in terms of quarterback perspective. You're welcome. Uh, and so, uh, not that I doubted you, but it was a great call, and, and I'm sure the, the listeners are appreciative of that. Um, for me, once again, Julio Jones is a great 20s to 20s ball movement receiver, apparently. Uh, Calvin Ridley found the end zone again. Julio Jones did not. And so uh, Julio Jones owners, you're going to have to be okay with him maybe only scoring four touchdowns this season. He's going to still produce. He'll still get you four He'll still get 1,400 yards and 100 catches. Yeah, he'll get you the volume. Um, but without the touchdowns, there's going to be a, maybe a little bit more of those eight-point weeks like Michael Thomas had this week. Uh, then you are more comfortable. You're going to see a lot more of his production from last year. Um, the other part that, that I want to point out is Matt Ryan, to me, is a top-five quarterback the rest of the way. There's, there's not even a question here. 
I don't care who he's playing. I don't care what the matchup is. They have to throw the ball to score. Yeah, they pretty much have to because their their defense has been decimated by injuries, so they have no choice. Yeah, and, and the, the only the last thing here is Boyd once again, uh, third straight week with twenty plus points for the Bengals. So if he's still on your waiver wire, you're not playing in a deep enough league, and go grab him now. <laughs> All right, moving on. Tampa Bay versus Chicago. What do you have for us in this one? Uh, we kind of already covered the the Jordan Howard and Fitzpatrick thing. Um, once again, Tampa Bay does not play defense. Um, but one of the things that I want to say is is Trubisky really proved himself. Uh, I touched on it a little bit. Uh, the TD to Robinson was placed only where Rob, where Allen Robinson could catch the ball on the outside of the end zone. The def- it was an indefensible ball touchdown. Those are the types of throws you want to see from your quarterback, regardless of who it is. I don't care if it's Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, um, whoever your quarterback is, that's the pro-level type quarterback that you're going to get from an elite talent. And so that is a glimmer of good things to come for Chicago. Now, I don't think they score this many points, again, the rest of the season. Who knows if they score this many points over the next two or three weeks. But Trubisky showed you something here that – Bears owner or Bears, uh, Bears fans in general, and if you're in a deeper league, Trubisky owners should be joyous that that this happened for you because they're m- much like Greg um, in the video from two year, from two years ago where he cursed to the TV because they grabbed Trubisky uh, in the draft. This is one of those where maybe they were right in what they did in grabbing him. Now I still like Mahomes and Watson. But we've seen better from them more consistently so far. But this is a good game to notch to notch on Trubisky's belt. Correct. Uh, I uh, I definitely uh, remember watching that video. It was a whole lot of fun. Oh, I watched it like every day for a week. All right. Uh, moving on. Next game: Detroit at Dallas. Uh, my number one takeaway here is. There was some talk about Kenny Galladay potentially being the new number one at Detroit. This game solidified that it is still Golden Tate. By far and away, it is still Golden Tate. There's things that Golden Tate can do that no one else can do on that team. The speed that he produces in being able to get separation from a defender, um, a little bit of his uh, taunting tactics – uh, I'm not the biggest fan of personally, um, but but people like that. He can, he's very confident, very very good at what he does as a receiver. Kenny Galladay is clearly the number two, and it's not even close. And then then it's a Marvin Jones. So um, I know tons of people who grab Marvin Jones before even thinking about Galladay, just because of ADPs and where they were ranked. Um, Kenny Galladay is a great has is proving himself to be a great ad later in your draft. Um, and then uh, the, the question I'll pose to you is, is Elliot now more valuable in PPR? Because typically when we do our rankings, I give a huge bump to Elliot in standard, and then I bump him to like five or six in PPR because he's not utilized in the passing game. Uh, I think as far as it goes, you know, even if he's only getting a couple catches in PPR – because of the sheer volume he has to get in order to make sure that the Cowboys can actually win, I place him pretty much even in both. So, because, I mean, Dak Prescott's not going to win you games. Ezekiel Elliott will win you games. Well, one thing that I'll say, granted, it's the Detroit Lions defense, so once again we need to table our excitement, but there was a beautiful over-the-shoulder catch by Ezekiel Elliott which you typically don't see a running back do like Elliott, who's not involved in the passing game. A Tariq Cohen, uh, uh, Tevin Coleman, those type of players, that's an easy catch for them to get because they're they're utilized on wheel routes all the time, so an over-the-shoulder catch is easy. Ezekiel Elliott, I haven't seen him make an over-the-shoulder catch like that ever, and this is, a, this is like a fly route. Yeah. So – 
great throw by Prescott. I know we dogged him earlier in the week and called him Brock Osweiler because <laughs> he was. Um, but great game for Dallas. Uh, positive things moving forward. But still, it is still the Ezekiel Elliott show because when you look at the receivers, no one had more than 50 yards. I mean, okay, 53 by Beasley, but there's not a lot of damage done by the receiving core in this game. Correct. All right. Uh, moving on. Buffalo and Green Bay. Buffalo, yeah. came, to, Buffalo came back to earth. Yes. Uh, so Bizarro World is no more. Uh, and so the bills are still horrible. Um, but my biggest takeaway here is Aaron Jones is clearly the lead running back for the Packers. We talked about this uh, earlier in the week or earlier last week where I put Jamal just ahead of Aaron Jones, uh, mostly because he was still the starter. Um, they split carries. Both of them got 11 carries. Aaron Jones did clearly more work with his. So I think – even though this is going to still be a giant timeshare, I think Aaron Jones is clearly the lead back. I think it would be a 50-25-25 a split with uh, Ty Montgomery probably getting a little bit more of the pass-catching work uh, as he, he flashed a little bit today uh, in that. Uh, but that's really my assessment of the backfield. The, the other thing that I'll put out there is – Cobb was inactive. We don't know. I don't. I can't remember why. We we know he was battling some stuff, but there was also talk before the season that they were shopping him. Allison leaves with a concussion. Who else is there to throw to? If, if Allison like, doesn't Cobb, come Cobb, back, Cobb, Cobb was a hamstring. Okay, so Cobb was a hamstring. So Cobb Allison injured. The Packers are starting to get a little bit more bogged down with injuries. Um. Jimmy Graham's banged up. Aaron Rodgers is banged up. So over the course of this season, I'm a little concerned about the Green Bay Packers and their ability to continue to bounce back while being this nicked up early in the season. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. That you know their their wide receiver core is getting thin. They what help they do have they do have Ty Montgomery who can be used. I mean he's a wide receiver converted to a running back. So he can split out. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So he's at least they have a little bit of flexibility still with him. Um, hopefully for them, uh, Geronimo Allison will be able to clear the concussion protocol uh, by the end of this next week. Uh, you're waiting for the next game. All right, uh, the next one, uh, Houston and Indianapolis. Uh, we already talked about Andrew Luck kind of emerging back 40 for 62, 464 yards and four touchdowns. Um, what I want to talk about is Naheem Hines had a, had a great game today. Um, nine, nine catches of 11 targets, 63 yards and two touchdowns. Clearly, there is no running game for the Colts. Clearly. Clearly. Um, and unless Mac comes back Thursday night against the Patriots, I, I would not get too excited about starting Andrew Luck against the Patriots because you, no. you have – the Patriots show that their defense is back and you can't be one-dimensional against Bill Belichick even if the Patriots' defense is horrible. Yeah. You can't be one-dimensional against them. Um, you have to mix some things up. And if you can't run the ball, Andrew Luck is not going to be able to produce these types of numbers against a Bill Belichick defense without a Doyle T.Y. Hilton has already been – it's already been talked about. He's not going to be back in time to play on a short week. So it, I'm concerned about the, the Colts' next game. Great game this week. If you're a Luck owner, be encouraged. If you're a Watson owner, be encouraged. He bounced back, had a pretty good game. Hopkins had a big game, potentially could have had two touchdowns had he not – had the ball not just been just out of his reach late in overtime. Um and then the, the player I want to talk about really quick, Kiki Kuti. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. I heard it like a thousand times today, but uh, now that it's as late as it is in the night, um, ran a ton of quick under now, underneath routes, 11 of 15, 109 yards. He's going to be someone that I look at seriously if I am a 
fuller owner of potentially getting some of that same type of production. Potentially, if you, if you need wide receiver depth, um, a lot of that production, uh, about half of that came before Fuller's injury. So there's still he's still getting worked in, even though Fuller was out. But um, but yeah, that's that's something that I would look at uh, potentially grabbing. I got to look at more. Uh, stuff before I officially make that a, a, a waiver wire ad this week. He he missed the first three games because of a hamstring injury. He's a rookie this year, drafted out of the four, fourth round, um, and he was a he was looked to immediately take the the number three. Uh, if Will Fuller is gone, he will be the number two. Yes. So, uh, fifteen targets in this game. He is he is a waiver wire ad right now. Yes. All right. Uh, Get a little bogged down. Let's try to get through these uh, New York Jets at Jacksonville. Well, this one's quick. Uh, there's not much to say about the Jets. Um, they're not that good. Uh, but the one thing that I'll say about the Jags is that I think there's a changing of the guard. Uh, the last couple of weeks, D.D. Westbrook has really shown himself to be the number one receiver, not Keelan Cole. Not that we were wrong at the beginning of the season, but I think now that we're into the season and seeing – more playing things have uh, changed things have changed so obviously you we say this all the time you don't win your league at the draft you win it you you can definitely lose it at the draft oh yeah you um, can but uh but how you win is what you do as the season progresses everyone's going to have uh, a top three player probably go down with injury unless you're absolutely lucky go play in vegas um but you're going to have to do some things dynamically. And clearly, D.D. Westbrook has now taken over as the number one. And Dante Moncrief is, is even creeping in at number two. Yeah, that was I – took, I took Moncrief off my rankings. I didn't even put him in my top 60 this week. And look what happens. Yeah, I think I have to fall to 70-something for me. Because I, I do the top 60, and then I let the rest of them go. Basically, yeah, same thing. So, All right, next game. Uh, Miami, New England. Not much to say about this one either. I want to say, uh, I th- other than, uh, do you believe that the Patriots played a great game, or do you think that the Dolphins um, now have proven to be what we originally thought them to be and not what was hyped over the last week with them being 3-0? and I think that with the Dolphins, the Dolphins were having were able to exploit the defenses they were going up against. At home, the Patriots played inspired football today. They also got back Patrick Chung and got one of their other one of their other I think one of their defensive linemen. Yeah. So they were actually their defense was finally more at full strength in order to put more pressure on Tannehill. And I think Tannehill tends to choke in big games, anyways. So I think there was a combination of all that plus the the. Offense was able to block and get a running game going. Sonny Michelle had a phenomenal game running the ball, and and uh, James White was uh, was r- not only catching the ball but running the ball well as well. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I'll say, Tannehill. I think I saw before the game, Tannehill has not won in New England, but he has also not lost in Miami against the Patriots. True. True. Four zero and one in Miami. He's 0-6 now uh, in New England. Yeah, and correct. So, quick thing about uh, Michelle and White. Like I said earlier in the week, I predicted this to be kind of like a, a LeGarrette Blount, Deion Lewis type of thing over the last couple of years. That's shaking out to hold true against Miami. Uh, Miami did put, does play sneakily good. Yeah, that's correct wording. Yes. Good against uh, receivers. Uh, I think Gordon will be more involved over the next couple of weeks. Um, the other thing is Gronk's potentially going to be out for the next game, so that opens up more for uh, everybody else, especially the pass catchers. Who knows? Hogan might do something. Not likely, but might. No, they started. They, you could see they were trying to get Josh Gordon involved. Gordon had a couple of really good catches this game, so that was uh, that was promising to see for for Josh Gordon owners who are trying to hold on to a lottery ticket. Yes. All right, uh, Philadelphia, Tennessee. Uh, Mariota's healthy again. So a couple of things. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, one on the ground. Lewis is clearly the back to own when Mariota's healthy. Corey Davis finally arrives. 
<laughs> against an Eagles defense, which I'm still not sure is good or not. They got torched. Well, everyone got torched by Tampa Bay early in the season, but I just don't know about Philadelphia's defense yet. I think they can pull it together here later in the season. Wentz uh, played better this game than he did in the last game. Um, even though Aguilar did show up on the Stings list, I wouldn't be too worried because he did get 12 targets. So he's yeah. still clearly getting targeted. So not too much to worry there. Uh, so that's th- those are really my biggest takeaways uh, from the Eagles-Titans game. Uh, Seattle and Arizona. Uh, game and missed field goals. That's pretty much all I've got to say about this game. Um, that and the other – the other part is David Johnson owners can feel rest assured now. David Johnson is now being utilized the appropriate way. He's getting the ball in space. They're throwing some screen passes. They're throwing some wide sweeps. He's getting used the way he should be. His production numbers should come up. Uh, Rosen, I expected a little bit more out of Rosen, I think. Uh, he did have a touchdown taken off the board. Um, Correct. On on a touchdown pass to the end zone, wide receiver's foot was clearly out of bounds. Second foot was clearly out of bounds before. Um, w- so not a catch. Great throw, but just a little bit out. Um, so I, I think the other part is Fitzgerald's got to get either healthy or they've got to find a way to utilize him better as well. Yeah, Fitzgerald had a – I mean, the drop was just so uncharacteristic of him. Um, I think the thing that really stuck out to me, though, is as long as they as long as they can, as long as they have this offensive line lineup, the Seattle Seahawks are going to run the ball. They are going to force to run the ball. Uh, last week was their first 100-yard rusher in forever with Chris Carson, 32 rushes for 102 yards. This week, Mike Davis, 21 rushes for 102 yards. Oh, so, I got him as 101. Well, maybe it was 100. Okay, 101, sorry. But still, two consecutive weeks with two different 100-yard rushers. Penny even ran nine rushes for 49 yards in this game. Yeah, the, so, the only thing that I'll say on the Seahawks side is Penny – is proving to be more the CJ Procise role or more the poor man's Deion Lewis role? I, I think that maybe I I think it part of it is they're still trying to trust him because of how much he missed in the preseason. Yeah. Amy's a rookie, so that he was not as highly touted as say a Sony Michelle. Correct or a Saquon Barkley coming in. So uh, even Detroit is still kind of easing carry on Johnson in. So, yeah. All right. A few more games. Let's get through these quick. Uh, Cleveland and Oakland. Uh, Jordy Nelson owners should be happy. He's getting involved more um, after his kind of pooper first two weeks. Uh, Cooper did his um, roller coaster of production. Um, kind of the bipolar player he is on the stat sheet. Um, so next week, probably not going to be a good week. Um, Cook is proving to be a huge, 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 huge part of this offense. And if he's going to continue to get 13 targets in a game from Derek Carr, he is a top five tight end, regardless of what you think about him. Really, he's proving it this year. And if he's getting that kind of target share, most tight ends don't get more than eight. So, right. especially tight ends where they're a little bit uh, touchdown dependent, this is a – you can play Cook for a while, even if he burns you a week or two. You should, you should still be fine. For me, on the Cleveland side, I think the thing that really sticks out is Baker Mayfield is the real deal. Yes. Um, on top of that, him being in the lineup helps David Njoku. It helps Jarvis Landry, and it helps Carlos Hyde. You saw that uh, Duke Johnson did a little bit more today. Duke Johnson did a little – they got him a little bit more involved as well. So, I mean, just having Baker Mayfield in in there improved the fantasy outlook for four other players. Yeah. 
Uh, so, what is your thoughts of Nick Chubb's uh, three touches for 105 yards and two touchdowns? Is is that going to a 60-yard touchdown and a 40-yard touchdown? Is that um, make you nervous being a Carlos Hyde owner? I mean, it makes I have it in a league. It makes me a little nervous. Hyde has had some injury uh, problems in the past um, with 49ers. What are your thoughts? I think if, well, Chubb most likely is not available. I mean, even in 10-team leagues, I know that people have him stashed away on the bench. Um, I'm running Carlos Hyde out there as long as Carlos Hyde's getting work. Yes. So. Yeah, I would still feel, I mean, Carlos Hyde has scored a touchdown in all four weeks this season. Yes. And has 60-plus yards in every game. So that's. He's what on you, pace for a thousand-yard for a thousand-yard season. That is the consistency you want out of the running back position. All right, uh, New Orleans and the New York Giants. Uh, already talked about Thomas being held in check uh, by Janoris Jenkins. Uh, really, the highlights of this game are the running backs, Kamara and Barkley. Uh, it, it was the Kamara, or Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley show. Uh, and then Shepard had a great game with extra production in the absence of Evan Ingram being out, should Evan Ingram miss a couple more weeks, I would I would see Shepard having similar weeks, not necessarily as big a week as he had this this week, but similar weeks because Ingram's out. They're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more uh, to him and to Odell Beckham is going to get his, but Shepard should get a little bit more with uh, Evan Ingram out. All right, uh, two more games, San Francisco and the L.A. Chargers. Uh, this one for me, my biggest takeaway, I would say, is the lack of production from Mike Williams. With as much work as he got, uh, I even texted you during the game. I'm like, did something happen to Mike Williams and I didn't know about it? Because he hasn't done anything. He's got zero, uh, zero points. And I was going up against him, so I wasn't too concerned. Um, but uh, one catch, 15 yards, so two and a half points, depending on fractional scoring. But they need to get him a little bit more involved. Keenan Allen still not scoring consistent touchdowns. Um, had a little bit of a down week. And then Kittle. Uh, he is clearly right now the number one receiver slash pass catching option for Bethard which is what we said uh, last week in preparation for this week. Um, moving forward, don't expect a 75-yard touchdown every week, but expect uh, about eight targets per game to go to Kittle from Bethard. Yep. All right, and the Sunday night football game, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, really, my only – I've got one. A ben Roethlisberger kind of broke his home away kind of thing. Yeah, that was a, that was definitely uh, something that was uh, interesting to see. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Big Ben has a, I think, a 12-plus point average at home than he does on the road, even in four-point touchdown formats. For Correct. So yes. he's clearly better at home. He did not have the greatest of games. Once again, the Ravens played much better defense. I think they've fixed some things after uh, struggling a little bit in that one game against uh, Cincinnati. John Brown is a legit receiver that you should add. He should be owned in 90% of leagues. The only thing that's not is 18 leagues where everyone's roster is too deep anyway. But this is really a classic Ravens-Steelers kind of matchup. Not a lot of points scored. There is some ball movement, but it's going to come down to field goals. All right, and I believe that's it for the Rewind. Why don't we go ahead and move on to a quick look at the Monday Night Football game. Uh, here we go. Kansas City and Denver. Let me pull up. That was the one thing I didn't pull up was the stats for that. So, Yeah. One, one question I'll throw out to you Okay. is, does Mahomes finally turn the ball over? Yes. Uh, I think he does once. I think I think he will throw an interception once. I think he's more likely to fumble the ball. The way he's throwing and the way the, the his receivers are able to get separation from corners, it is more likely 
that linebacker is going to come off the edge, knock the ball out of his hands, and that's what that's what the fumble is going to be. That very well could be. Yeah, it's hard to believe they're ninth in offense. Uh, I know when you go to when you well here when you go to NFL.com and they do like the league rankings. And you go to like the matchups, and it shows here. Here's where they rank the two people, the two teams ranking the league. Uh, they're ninth in yards. Who? In offense, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's remember they don't run the ball a whole lot. They just pass the ball all over the place, and they have a short field. Yeah, they got a short field all the time. However, their defense is thirty thirty second. Uh, yeah, yeah just... their, de- their defense is worse. Well, before their game tomorrow. Then Tampa Bay. Yeah. So um, I'm so honestly for me, I'm really looking forward to this game tomorrow night because in the league of record, like I said, I have Tyreek Hill and I have uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Case Keenum going up against the Denver Broncos defense, and I'm down 50 points. I feel good about my chances tomorrow night. Yeah, you've got the number one pass catcher for both sides and you have the quarterback so you're looking at maybe 17 points is the projection uh from what i see for case keenum got 15 for emmanuel sanders it already puts you at 32 tyree kill is 16 that puts you at 48 and his defense can be negative too yeah and that's and that's just if they only hit projection that's yeah, if yeah. they don't both break out for big games yes which I think this is a game where Kansas City finally plays a defense. Um, one of the things that I want to throw to you on the other side is do you think we finally see a lead back emerge from Denver? Or do you think it's still going to be almost an exact 50-50 split between Roy Freeman and Philip Lindsay? I think it's still, until one of them actually stands out, stands out, they're going to keep it at a 50-50. Well, Bruce, gonna, Bruce Freeman did stand out after Lindsay got ejected. I understand that. But when they're both in there, Philip Lindsay is definitely the catch it, the scrappy, catch it out of the backfield and get yards you wouldn't expect from a little guy. Um, kind of that Danny Woodhead, Austin Eckler type. Yeah. Um, and Freeman, I mean, Freeman is a natural runner. He is, he is fun to watch when he's got the ball in his hands. But he's not, he's not as good catching the ball out of the backfield. So, again, I think it's a pretty even split, to be completely honest. Until, like I said, until one absolutely emerges or one of them goes down with injury, it's going to be pretty even, in my opinion. Yeah, this is one of those games where I'm leaning more towards Patrick Mahomes still having a good game. But I think, I think he's coming to earth a little bit. Is he going to come to earth a little bit? I think he scored. I think it's three touchdowns through the air. Um, there's always the the threat of a deep bomb to Tyreek Hill. Yep. Um, but I think they're going to need to use Kareem Hunt a little bit more in this game. Now, I I'll ha- I forgot to look at the stats before coming on the show, so uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but to me, the strength of the the defense of Denver is kind of that front core seven, because Seattle threw the ball all over the field against Denver in week one. Correct. So it's not the it's not the, the, the corners that are the strength of the defense. So if, if there's a way to beat this off, if there's a way to beat this defense, it's through the air. But it's also in Denver. It's on the road. It is going to be a, an electric crowd. This is uh, classic AFC matchup between the Chiefs and the Broncos. So I don't see this being a shootout. I think it's a little bit more come down to earth. Maybe a 24-28 win by the Chiefs is how I see it. I can see that. Um, I think that – I think that, uh, yeah, the, it's possible that Mahomes comes back to earth. This is still going to be a solid game. I think that – that Tyreek is still going to get his yards. The thing that make Ty- that makes Hill so dangerous is that he's also going to be he's also the punt returner. So yes. Um, but yeah, I could see I could see this being a little bit closer in some of the previous games, but I could also see it being a, a you know a shootout again, simply partially because of how bad the defense is for Kansas City. So. Yes. 
All right. Well, that's all I got. You, uh, you good? That's it for me. All right. Well, once again, we are the fantasy football, the, uh, the Skull King fantasy football podcast. If you can't tell, I've been sick all day. <laughs> A little out of it. All right. We're the Skull King fantasy football podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Justin. And we want to thank you guys for uh, taking the time to listen. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Hey, Skull King Nation. Thank you for listening to the Skull King Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so, be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues.